Hello and welcome to Retrospection. In this episode, we're traversing time and space with the infamous 1996 Doctor Who, the movie. My name's Colin, and I always dress for the occasion. And my name's Paul, and I'm not Bruce. I'm merely inside his body. Best place to be. That's not the that's not the response I was, I was expecting from you, Colin. You you toned it down for our guest, yeah. right? <laughs> my best behaviour. I can tell. And I'm sober. It's the middle of the afternoon here. Are you? I'm not. I am actually. <laughs> uh, I'm Andy, and I always dress for the occasion. I'm Yvonne, and these shoes fit perfectly. <laughs> So you, you obviously you may have uh, noticed that we've got two extra people in the retrospection house today because we live together, Colin. Don't we? It's a house now. What are we like the Beatles <laughs> or the Monkeys? <laughs> no, the Beatles, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so with us today, we've got. Um, would Would you describe yourselves as Doctor Who super fans? Um. I'd say we're quite keen Doctor Who fans. I personally, I I can't remember a time in my life when Doctor Who wasn't some part of my life. I, I think possibly my earliest memory might be of a rubber dinosaur from the John Pertwee episode Invasion of the Dinosaurs. I, I think that might be my first ever memory. Um, so it sort of imprinted hard with me from a from a very early age. Uh, uh, as I said, Doctor Who superfan, I would say, someone who owns several sonic screwdrivers, a scarf, and has been to more conventions. Um, again, I again don't remember the time before Doctor Who. I had an well, have an older brother and watched Doctor Who as I was out, you know, went outside playing, but I'd come inside and see bits. I've got vague memories of some of the um, Sylvester McCoy episodes, but I didn't probably watch it. So when the TV movie came out, that was it. That was the first time I saw a proper Doctor Who episode going out for the first time. And I was 16. It's quite exciting. And I, sh- I just realised I didn't say your names, did I? So Yvonne, Andy. <laughs> so I was introducing no, you two of you. I just won, you did. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll check it when I'm editing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you know what? It's nice to have people on the podcast who can correct her, and I'm using giant inverted commas here, facts. <laughs> so i would say that we're um i'm i'm not i'm i'm also not a doctor who super fan i like the show i grew up watching the show i would probably say my doctor was probably the from peter davison onwards i have the most memory of sylvester mccoy but oh, yeah. good or bad who knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> Both really, sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And but I, my 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 go to science fiction would be Star Trek, and I think Colin, you probably would say yeah. the same, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd have to. St- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm also. I guess I remember Sylvester McCoy would have been my period. Maybe Peter Davison, because I always remember when Tom Baker regenerated into him. That's imprinted on my brain, so I must have watched that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we are the same age, Colin. No, that's not right. You're, you're, you're in your forties. I'm in my twenties. What, what are you talking about? I've told you this time and time again. I'm sure I remember you at school, Colin. I've, rege- I've regenerated, but kept the same face. Which oh, is, is that either, what you've done? It's either good or bad. I'm not sure which. You're like David Tennant. I, I, I think. Yes. I think I might be a little, little older than than you two guys, and I, I 
like I, I sort of grew up with Tom Baker, really, sort of, I, I suppose in a way I was quite lucky, I sort of I got the, what's maybe looked back on as the, the golden era of the um, of the classic era of, of Who, um, so, and like yourselves, I've my first regeneration that I remember was into, into Peter Davison and that that sort of came as a not quite a wrench but that was like sort of Tom Baker's been Doctor Who all my life mm-hmm. and then I had to sort of go through this process of of him turning into somebody else and if I hadn't liked Peter Davison I may well have you know sort of not not followed the show on but I did and you know give or take a few kind of exceptions I've, I've generally sort of liked who the cast as the as the Doctor uh, and I've sort of followed it ever ever since, really. Um, but yeah, those, those Tom Baker years imprinted hard. When you said you grew up with Tom Baker, it sounded like you lived with him. <laughs> well, for a year or two, I did. You know, but we keep that quiet. <laughs> but he was around for a long time, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's from Liverpool, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a local lad. He's only, only from down the road. Originally born in Liverpool, but um, he lost lost the accent. Um, oh right, no. Quite quite early on, probably kicked yeah. out of him by acting school. Hmm. I dare say, I dare say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you say that if you hadn't connected with the next actor that came along, you might have drifted away from it because I think that's always the the risk when they bring a new actor into Doctor Who, isn't it? That you, you don't know what you're going to get. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say like mo- most of the time, I think they've they've, they've got it quite quite right. Um, mm-hmm. I won't, I won't sort of sit here and kind of point fingers on any names that people are sort of maybe lower down the <laughs> down the list. But it, as I said, I think Tom, Tom Baker. I think it's a part that really the, the character and the actor. There's often not an awful lot of delineations sort of between them. I think Tom Baker is one of the the most Doctor Whoish of the actual actors. If you, if you look at Great British Eccentric in the the dictionary. I think there's a there's a picture of Tom Baker. There. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's, yeah. Whether whether all the stories about him are, are true or not, I don't know. But he's he's one of those people that never lets the truth get in the way of a good story <laughs> and a good yarn. Uh, and I think this mythos has sort of built up about about him. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a character on screen and off, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not he's not shy of of sort of. Gilding the lily with a with a yarn, That's, shall we say? Yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So TMDB says the seventh Doctor becomes the eighth, and on the streets of San Francisco, alongside new ally Grace Holloway, he battles the Master. Accurate, really straightforward. Yes, not bad, right? Mm-hmm. We've had worse. We have, we have. Yeah. This episode stars Paul McGann as the Doctor, Eric Roberts as Bruce and the Master. Daphne Ashbrook as Dr. Grace Holloway, Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor, Yiji So as Chang Lee, Will Sasso as Pete, and Dolores Drake as Curtis. Christopher Eccleston and Peter Capaldi actually declined to audition for this, which is quite ironic, really, isn't it? I didn't know about Christopher Eccleston, but I think I'd heard about Capaldi not not wanting to sort of mess it up, I think. Mm. Um, I think he felt that he was too too young at the time. Maybe perhaps, or maybe it was, at the time he maybe felt maybe a bit too close to the to the material. Maybe it was sort of closer to his um, to his fan days, or maybe he was even just trying to distance himself from Doctor a bit. Um, at the time when he when he finally did take the part up, it was you know, perhaps a much more prestigious role. But at, at that time, maybe he saw it as a bit of a 
Maybe Poison Chalice, I don't mm-hmm. know. Didn't kind of all the eligible male actors audition for Doctor Who? Maybe. So yeah, I think I, 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 one of the McGann brothers, as well as Paul McGann, auditioned. I'm sure Tony Slattery did as well. Yeah, it, it's... It's like James Bond. It's easier to list the actors who've never auditioned for the role. <laughs> yeah. True. Uh, yeah. Some of my notes that I won't read out later then. Uh, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> <laughs> we know our stuff. We're going to get that. <laughs> so for people who know less stuff about Doctor Who, we should point out that it had been cancelled after its 26th series in 1989. And seven years later, we were greeted with this UK-USA joint revival made by Universal Television with BBC Worldwide and BBC Drama and shown in the US on Fox Television. Yeah, um, the BBC wanted Tom Baker to be the Doctor at the beginning, believe it or not, which would have been weird oh. in continuity, really, wouldn't it? Because hmm. uh, cause this plays so well with the continuity, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll talk about that, won't we? <laughs> I don't know if it's a sign, but my Paul McGowan figure's just fallen over as I've seen that. <laughs> he's just face bombed onto the desk. <laughs> he's done, he's out. Um, I'm, I guess that yeah. Tom Baker was probably, with him being the most um, well-known Doctor, even to, uh, to the Americans that had seen the show, that's probably why um, yeah. they yeah. wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'll give producer Philip David Siegel his due. He was a big Who fan, and he insisted that it had to be Sylvester McCoy. So, so no, I was going to say that was one of the nice things about it. The I think the guy had said always said, you know, even if it was just a, a cop and a spit party, would you would come back for the for the regeneration? Mm. Maybe that was after sort of Colin Bacon not coming back for for Sylvester's sort of first episode. Right. Uh, that's a that's a whole other that's a whole <laughs> other story. But I think maybe he sort of felt that it was his duty to to carry on the on torch. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 good that they brought Sylvester McCoy back for it though because I think he gets a bit of a bum rap. As far as I'm concerned, I think he was. I mean, he's not the greatest actor in the world, but he did okay. Right. What does everyone else think about that? About Sylvester McCoy? I I don't mind him. Like I'm okay with Sylvester McCoy. It's always been the writing that's let down the actor mm. playing mm. the Doctor. Agreed. It's never really the actor themselves. Yeah. You know so. I mean, I even like Colin Baker. In fact, I think I really I'm rewatching the Colin Baker period now because they just released them on Blu-ray, and I'm quite enjoying them. Yeah, I like Colin Baker. Not so keen on the suit, but you kind of get over it, don't you? Well, that's because <laughs> yeah. he just he's had a resurgence through the yeah. They just went crazier and crazier. More color, <laughs> more vegetables. He, he had a resurgence. He had a resurgence through the the Big Finish audios where you can't see what he's wearing. Mm. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, fans have, have gone to. Yeah, I, I remember um, uh, meeting Colin Baker at Reading Comic Con a few years ago, and I was standing—he was standing in line to buy a hot dog. <laughs> he, he did only buy the one, actually. I was quite surprised. So uh, Colin Baker was between you and a hot. He was. Dog. He was. We had to fight for it. I'm amazed. I'm amazed he got out there alive. <laughs> he started already. Look, he's already. <laughs> what? 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 Well, we in 10, 15 minutes in. He's already insulted me. <laughs> Um, I remember watching this when it aired. I think I was in Blackpool at the time. Um, and apparently it ended with a dedication to John Pertwee that, because he recently passed. Mm. Yeah, he had, yeah. I yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I that too, yeah. I should say when they did air it in America, they screened it opposite an episode of Roseanne in which her husband suffers a heart attack. You know, only, only the biggest show at the time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's it's almost history repeating itself because famously the the BBC schedulers put the, the Sylvester McCoy era up against Coronation Street. Um, you know, our, our, one of our most popular and beloved mm-hmm. soap operas, which got at the time still does get gets huge ratings. Do you think? Um, do you think? I always got the impression towards the end of it that the BBC wanted it to die. Hmm. I think so. Yeah, I, I think it was. Um, yeah, it was put out yeah. put out to pasture, really. And it, it was a pity because the like you say about Sylvester McCoy, I think the, his first season it was a bit silly and a bit pantomime. Um, but as his second and third third seasons went on, the stories got a lot a lot more complex, a lot darker. Uh, they deliberately scripted it to make it, give a bit of mystery to it. And yeah, who is the doctor? There was that, there was that sense of you know, is the doctor more than a time lord? Is there is there something going on here? Um, and it was it was sort of quite nice that that was that was sort of hinted at, um, but you never really found out what was what was going on with it. Um, and sadly, as it was just sort of finding its feet and maybe getting a bit mm-hmm. of momentum again, um, it, it it got cancelled. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't bad timing a tradition of Doctor Who? Didn't the first episode screen <laughs> on the day that JFK was assassinated? <clears throat> It, it was the day, it was day the day after, after. yeah. Kenny Ken had been assassinated on the on the Friday, and I, I think because the, the the first episode was reserved under such unusual circumstances, the world was still you know reeling from what had happened the day before. I, I believe the first episode was repeated the week mm-hmm. after. I think. Yeah, although this and uh, a couple of special appearances in Modern Who, uh, the extent of Paul McGann's <laughs> actual screen time as the Doctor. He's been playing Doctor Who in, in big Finnish audio mm-hmm. productions for, for what, how many years now? Quite a few. Um, must be at least 20, mm. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, I've, I've not listened to a huge, huge number of them. Um, you, you, you've uh, well, to I, them, I was yeah. saying earlier, has, has did that, that McGann TV movie spawn as much Doctor Who media as the original series? Because you've got all the big Finnish audios. There's the, the range of books, uh, the comics. Because I remember following the, the big Finnish audios for a while. I've got a full set of the books upstairs that carried on the story from the TV movies. So mm-hmm. Despite there not being any new on screen, the story did continue for a good while. And that's probably what kept it alive, isn't it? Until mm-hmm. it came back again. Yeah, and there was a whole, whole series of comic books as well, wasn't mm-hmm. there? Graphic novels. And... Yeah, The Wilderness yeah. Years was mostly began. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colin won't be surprised when I, if I say that I've read those comic books. <laughs> no, I won't be. <laughs> It's still strange to me the way the BBC treats Doctor Who, mm-hmm. considering how much money it's made them. Mm. And for a good long mm. period, they didn't have to do anything to make that money. Yeah. No. So no. it's just an odd... It's like they hate it, but they need it. And it does have such a devoted fan base. Yeah. Um, Internationally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course, now it's going to be turning up on Disney+, Plus, isn't it? around the rest of the world yeah that's going to be interesting to see how that that develops mm-hmm. the ratings while they were par in the usa it did very well in the uk it was a top position in the drama viewing figures for that week yeah it was 9.1 million i think it was wasn't it yeah which is actually the same as what it got in the us nine million so <laughs> you know yeah it's all relative isn't it that's that's, that's pretty pretty healthy Healthy viewing figures, isn't it? For, for a show that had been off air for seven, seven years at the time. Yeah. Um, so. I think the fact the fans the fans were gagging for it, really, weren't they? Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
but there's all, there's all sort of generation that missed out on yeah on those those years the, the, the sort of the, the wilderness years as the now. <laughs> no, no. It's funny, isn't it? You got you, they call they call a lot of uh, like Star Wars. You've got legacy characters and and all of that business, mm. and it's still that period of of, of Doctor Who when there was no Doctor Who and it was just comics and books is still called the wilderness years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the official title, yeah. there, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, there is the terrible joke of, of how many Doctor Who fans that date screen a light bulb. It's like none; they just sit in the dark waiting for it to come back on. <laughs> <laughs> so another rival company. This was interesting. Another rival company had the rights to make a theatrical version of Doctor Who, and because the rights w- were on the verge of expiring, they attempted to get Leonard Nimoy. That Leonard Nimoy to film a short sequence as the Doctor, just so that they could extend the rights even further. But I would watch yeah. that. <laughs> but that that vaguely rings a yeah. bell. Um, but Philip yeah. David Siegel, he found out and he contacted Nimoy, and when he told him what they were up to, he backed out of it. Oh, okay. It's like Nimoy, no, <laughs> my ship. What you, what, would you would you have, would you have coped with Lennon Nimoy as the Doctor, or is it one of those parts that has to be a British person? No, I don't think it has to be. I, I think as long as you give it to a good actor. Mm. Um, you don't want an actor that's famous for a certain role in science fiction for another franchise because that brings a lot of baggage with it. It does. But I think if you've got enough actor, people can can get get around that. It, you've it's, got Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it can be done. Hmm. Um, I, I think the, the basic rule should be: Are they a good actor? Can they can they work well with the scripts? Um, it, it would have been quite a. I think it would have been confusing for particularly <laughs> American audiences to see Leonard Nimoy yeah. as, as his yeah. character. But in a way, I'm kind of curious as to what he might have. <laughs> Might have done with it. I don't think. Would, would we have seen Leonard Lem- Nimoy with a big grey, big grey wig and, <laughs> and a cravat? Um, I don't know. Who, who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> Leonard Nimoy in a cravat. Ah, you've described it. Yeah. You, you know it. You you know Colin, which actor from Star Trek? I'd be interested to uh, see to play the Doctor, though, don't you? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle Nichols. No, no. Oh, it's Shatner, Shatner. Shatner. It's always Shatner. You, it's always no, Shatner. No. I'm the doctor. I, I am the doctor. <laughs> doctor. Yeah. Uh, would, would Leonard Nimoy have been better as maybe the master? Oh, yeah. In this? Would, would he have been better as a, as a villain? Yeah, he could get, get his little than, bad Spock tash on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have had his his, his alternate universe go to yeah. bed and just shrug his little goatee mm-hmm. and... Yeah, I can see that definitely. Uh, yeah. Steven Spielberg's Amblin, they were originally attached to the project as well. But when an early draft featured Nazis and an ancient artifact, he pulled out because he felt it was a little bit too Indiana Jonesy. But the funny thing, the funny thing was that the BBC it hinged on them on Amblin being involved so the US producers didn't tell the BBC that Spielberg had bailed on it until after they'd already started filming and production had started in case they backed out wait so there's film of this of what somewhere of they actually started filming no 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 they they, they, not the Nazi version no no this version they started filming but they didn't tell the BBC that Amblin had backed out of it because they thought maybe the BBC would pull the plug 
Oh, I think they might have done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember when this was first on uh, the BBC that um, it was heavily edited, wasn't it? Because it was on pre 9pm. And I, there, there's certain parts of this that I don't think I saw until years later, because the first initial VHS release of this was the same version that the BBC put out. So the shooting was toned oh, down. Shooting was toned down, yeah. And I think mm. when he screams, yeah, yeah. Um, when Sylvester McCoy, McCoy screams, when he dies, that was cut as well. Oh, cut out his best moment. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite a jolt seeing those opening scenes with the with the gunfire. It, it, it's very different from anything we'd seen in Doctor Who before. Yeah. It, it, mm. it does strike as you're as sort of very... American, sort of quote unquote American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very even of, the filming uh, technique and the way it looks is different. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So we open with a narration. The master has been placed on trial on the planet Scaro. He demands that his remains be taken back to the home planet Gallifrey by the Doctor. And we get to hear Daleks. Well, slightly off-sounding Daleks. It, it's kind of like how mm. when Jim Jim Henson died that. Kermit never sounded the same again, isn't it? <laughs> but they they weren't referenced as Daleks, were they? Or was was Daleks mentioned? Mm, they don't mention. They does. <laughs> he mentions the Daleks yeah. later. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. But they, they, they oh, didn't later. hear. Yeah, yeah. They just hear them. Be done. Yeah. 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 You, you basically get this massive info dump at the start, yeah. don't you? Um, yeah. There's a lot to say again. It, sort of, it mentions Gallifrey. It mentions Daleks. It mentions the Master. I think it mentions the fact that he's a Time Lord. It mentions Scaro. Um, that was one of the complaints at the it, time that there was too many references to Doctor Who mm. in the past. I was like, "Oh, good lord! What would they think about modern Who? <laughs> it's all it ever does." It, it's interesting actually because the, that most recent episode where they were they had a lot of the old Doctors in it. Um, I know people that that means nothing to people that don't know mm. didn't know mm. who any one of those people were. Mm. Mm. But if you compare this to to when Russell T Davis brought it back with Rose, mm. he stripped it back yeah. completely. Um, it was just you didn't know who he was. He said, "I'm a traveller, and I've got a spaceship, and I'm alien." And and that's it. Even, even the time travel elements was only at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. He comes back for it at the end, and she goes, "Oh, did I mention it also travels in time?" So he, even that, I thought it was it was such a contrast to the yeah. to the TV movie. Uh, and I think I think maybe learn from the mistakes of the CD movie. It's just keep it very simple. Introduce this character a bit like they did with the the original episode of, of Doctor Who back in 1963, mm-hmm. on Earthly Child. Nobody really knew who, who he was or where he was from. It was just is this alien? He's got a time traveling police box. That's all you need to know. That's enough of a gimmick there, and it's bigger mm-hmm. on yeah. one side. Right. Don't 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 sort of complicate it any more than that. And then once you've got people hooked in, then start layering in little references to to Time Lords mm. and Time Wars and Daleks and things. And it makes it much more much more sort of not quite believable, but it, it's less of a, less of a job. I wonder yeah. how far they were planning on taking it if it had gone to series, because I read in um, that book, Regenerations, um, there's designs concepts in there for the Daleks. And they're more like in... That's the one, yeah. I was looking <laughs> at that earlier. Um, they, um, they've got redesigned Daleks in there, haven't they, with sort of insectoid bodies and, mm. and weird um, mm. metallic legs that they that they use to walk around with. I mean, that would have really pissed off the Doctor Who fans, wouldn't it, if you didn't know that? <laughs> <laughs> so they did a lot of prep 
for material that they would plan to use. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think you can't you can't do Doctor Who without the Daleks. Mm. But whether those designs would have been sort of Daleky enough to keep keep the Who fans on board, I don't know. Again, it depends on how, how well it's done. If it's a good story and the, the mental looks scary, yeah. then mm-hmm. then why not? In a way. Um, but again, it's it's interesting to sort of compare it with when the Doctor Who sort of came back properly mm. in, in two thousand and five. Essentially, they kept the Daleks very, mm. very similar. They, they sort of, I think the phrase was the, the mini Cooper of them. They sort of took, took like, uh, like they did with the original mini design, they kind of beefed it up a little bit, but kept, yeah. kept a lot of the same aesthetics there. Uh, and again, the, these, these new Daleks are basically sort of original Daleks yeah. on, on steroids with a few more rivets and bolts. And, yeah, and they don't wobble anymore either. <laughs> what do we think of the opening theme for this one? I love it. You hate it. <sighs> Because they play around with it, it's not. It, they they move the middle eight as it's called. It's that's. I I, I think that's all theme. The theme music and the, the title. I, I like the title sequence, but the actual theme music to me sounds like one of those horrible um, TV cover albums that you get that's always got the music played by the uh, the Prague <laughs> Philharmonic Orchestra or something like that. I um, like those. And I I do. I do. Yeah. On vinyl, Andy. On vinyl. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's the one. I'm the one, yes. I... What did you think yeah. of it, Colin? Um... I, I like it. I'm on team Yvonne. I, I like it. I think it, yes. I like its epic nature. It feels like a film. Yeah, yeah. I like it as well. Yeah. I like it as well. Not for those reasons, not because it sounds like it's, it's done by Jeff Love's orchestra or anything like that, but, but you know... <laughs> Oh, don't get me started on Jeff Love. <laughs> it's the at the end on the on the theme music. I'm sorry. Oh, that makes me cringe. I'm sorry. It's the best, okay. best okay. bit. You know, they, they almost didn't get to use it. Apparently, they they they, they couldn't get the rights to the Ron Grainer music, and they only got it at the, right at the eleventh hour. Oh. They were they were going to come up with something completely different. Well, that would have been interesting. I wonder what they would have done. Yeah. It would have sounded like it, but not been it. I think they'd have done something. That invoked it yeah. without actually copying it. Yeah. That's like that's yeah. like watching one of the Sweeney movies and going, "What was the Sweeney <laughs> theme tune?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they don't have yeah. any films. Well, I suppose, in fairness, the uh, the Peter Cushing movies nope. didn't have it. Yeah, did they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember as a kid watching that on television for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, where's the where's the? Where's we the we love those movies, Colin, don't we? But I do remember as a kid that first time I saw those, it was a bit jarring. Because you kind of like that. This is Doctor Who. He doesn't look like mm. Doctor Who. Where's, where's the TARDIS interior? It's not yeah. the same. He's got a big lever yeah. that he pulls. What's yeah. going on there? <laughs> yeah, that's because they're Dalek <laughs> movies. They're not Doctor mm. Who movies. Yeah. Technical. Yeah, didn't they? They only had rights to, to certain things and Terry Nation stuff they had as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's why he's called the Professor, right? Mm. Uh, so the opening credits are pretty simple, but we like them, right? Yeah. They're okay. They do the job. Yeah, that logo is was the logo for a, a long time on everything, wasn't it? After this, that was the, mm. the old John Perdry logo that they sort of um, okay. re- revamped it for for this um, in in much the same way that the the new logo for the for the sort of what we'll probably end up calling the Disney Plus era um, is effectively mm. the old the old Tom Baker logo, uh, the, the the diamond logo, which. 
I suppose they cleverly brought back for the uh, for the 60th yeah. anniversary with that being the diamond anniversary. I think that was the, the, the thinking behind. I never thought of that. But yeah, mm-hmm. everything everything in Doctor Who gets recycled. <laughs> it's no, no. Too, doesn't it? Regenerated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we also learn in this opening about the idea of thirteen lives. How does this fit into the Doctor Who storylines? That had already been established. It had okay. Um, back. Being the Deadly Assassin, I think, sort of established this, and people people latched on to that. Um, Doctor Who kind of canon and law has always <laughs> been played fast and loose with by the by the writers, and and, and continues to be <laughs> up to uh, up to the modern era. Um, I was going to say he's got it's not thirteen lives anymore. It's probably about thirteen hundred lives, isn't it? That he's had now. It's 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 whatever it's whatever you want it to be these these days yeah yeah um, so yeah but at, at that stage it was it was it was believed that yeah the that the master was coming towards the end of his uh, his allocated slot of, of although I think even that I'm sure in this is this is get really really nerdy in, in the five doctors um, he was offered another regeneration cycle by the time lords so there's there's obviously this ability to to sort of yeah, keep it going. Yeah, somehow sort of offer people a, a new set. Why wouldn't every Time Lord take that offer? Uh, well, I don't think every Time Lord's offered that offer, I think. <laughs> but, He's special. Yeah, they, they, oh, it, it, yeah, they use it as a, as a bribe for him. All right. Wow. All yeah. right. And we get to see the interior of the TARDIS. What do we think of this version? Gorgeous. Yeah, it looks stunning. You can see all the money on, on. Well, you could see most of it. I think you could actually, when they filmed it, you couldn't actually see all of it. When you see all the diagrams and the plans of the actual TARDIS, it's huge. And I think you only see little bits on screen. It it is an amazing set. Um, I love lots of it. <laughs> but there's a big but coming here. You, it's, it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit too Jules Verne, a little bit too steampunky. It's it's sort of, I think they were trying to pander to sort of what Americans thought a British time machine would look like, rather than it looking like a, an alien time machine. Um, I think it was this idea of the Great British eccentric, rather than an alien eccentric. Um, yeah, I see what you mean. There's a lot of um, and the, there's a lot of time clocks. yeah clocks time travel references. Yeah, it's very very the, literal. Yeah, it, it's very on the nose with the <laughs> yeah. clocks, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And considering <laughs> how often the TARDIS gets rocked about, I am not sure that loads of candles and rugs are a good <laughs> idea. So health and safety would would whatever a nightmare with that TARDIS. Yeah, I guess they yeah. don't exist in Gallifrey. Well, later he's got we see like burning. Um, Fires in in the cloister room, don't we? I mean, what's going on there? That's, you yeah. know, and, and bats as well. Bats, yeah. Why not? Yeah, why 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 the bats? <laughs> <laughs> I, it did cost one million this set, one million dollars. Yeah, to make. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's a very handsome set, and, and it's quite nice to see you know lavish production values mm. put on certain stuff. And I, I love the the. You know, back back in the nineteen seventies, there was the badly 
CSO'd um, screen viewer that's sort of like, yeah. like that, as, as you saw what the what the area landscape was, and, and with this one you get the the whole ceiling that opens up and shows you the the entire galaxy projected onto the screen. I thought that was a lovely touch. Thought that yeah, that's nice. Yeah, um, it's very cinematic I as did. well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did send Paul a screenshot of something I noticed, and that when Grace Holloway and the Doctor run into the TARDIS, there is a shot from down and it's an upward shot and you can see a window in the top right hand corner that does not look like part of the set it looks like a window of a warehouse (laughs) (laughs) i was like i wonder if that was supposed to be there yeah a warehouse in canada you said didn't you yeah (laughs) that's where it was shot yeah I suppose the outside of the TARDIS was always meant to adapt to its environment maybe (laughs) maybe the inside started to adapt as well yeah we'll go with that yeah yeah, <laughs> and I also don't like that he's reading H.G. Wells's time machine. Mm. Again, this is another example of it being, like you said, on the nose of everything. Yeah, mm. and I think I think even the song does the song stick on the word time. Yeah. I think yeah, when when the, when the needle glitches. Yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, I get it. It's a time machine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So so time lords turn to goo when they die. Is that right? Well, apparently in this episode, for, for the convenience of getting him squeezed through the um, the keyhole, yeah. <laughs> All right. And what, did, what did you think of the effect, Paul? Because I know you have problems with water and liquid effects in films. You know what? I didn't... I have, I have got prior on this. Uh, I actually yeah. didn't think for, for, the, for what it was. I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I did, actually. I didn't mind it. Seriously. <laughs> You're looking at me. A little, <laughs> little bit of bias coming in here, but okay. Me bias? Never, never. So, um, go on, go on. You carry on. No, 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 no you go on. No, go on, go on, go on. No, after you, sir. So, Look how polite we are. So the, so the master, um, he escapes, doesn't he, and causes the, the, the TARDIS to crash, land. And um, we get that gunfight. Were, were those goons just... just as a little aside, were those goons just hiding behind the bins on the off chance that those other guys were going to turn up? Yeah, they've been there yeah. all day, <laughs> waiting. I mean, in fairness, those bins are bulletproof, so, you know. <laughs> it's true. And those boxes. <laughs> and that car appears to be bulletproof, too. It does seem to be, yeah. No, S- nobody Sparks a lot. Nobody was damaging that car that they'd rented for that day, were they? No. No, no. no. It's got to go back at five. <laughs> I did like that the TARDIS landed in front of a huge poster of Buckingham Palace. Did you see that? Hmm. Yeah, isn't it a Visit London mm-hmm. sign mm-hmm. poster? Yeah. yeah. A nice little title. Yeah. I, I, I do actually love that scene where, where the TARDIS land, because up till, up till then, you've always seen the, the, the TARDIS just sort of fade in and mm-hmm. fade out of a you know a, a quarry in the middle of Wales somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like all the sort of the, the ambient effects of the, not like lightning on it, but the, the lighting with it uh, and the, the newspapers swirling around and everybody's sort of looking up at the sky as it, as it comes down. And I love the music in in that that particular sequence as well. It's sort of it's quite a quite a stirring landing of the TARDIS. That, that effect of of the wind around the TARDIS when it lands is something that they they carried on today as well, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I thought of that until you until we mentioned mm-hmm. it. But yeah. Yeah. It's probably one of the first times we've seen the TARDIS appear where things can move around it, where everything doesn't have to freeze. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's true. There's a nice little. Um, John Smith reference as well, and the kids uh, filling out the medical form in the ambulance. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a, that was that was his alias for a long time, wasn't it? Still is now. That was the yeah, yeah. long-standing alias of the mm-hmm. of the doctor. Yeah, I, I think 
particularly during the Perdue era, but I think it's, mm-hmm. it's been used used quite quite a lot sort of since. Although, I, and the kid when he's doing the farm, he goes nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> Really loud, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. There was a caption. I- I'm wondering if they were not going to do a caption, and that's why they did that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because that's then throughout the yeah. entire episode, people keep keep going like 1999. <laughs> Little wink. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I-, I get what year it is. <laughs> but did we, did we not all do that in 1999? <laughs> I guess we did. I was drunk, Andy. I don't remember between 1999 and 2010. <laughs> Um, so we get to meet um, Grace, played by Daphne Ashbrook. Um, so you've all seen that Doctor Who Am I film, haven't you? The documentary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just, just, just the other yeah. She. Yeah. I like her character a lot, but just as a, as, a, as a person, the actress herself, she seems like great fun at conventions, doesn't she? Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think we've never seen her at a convention, have we? But... I don't think so. I've seen a, a DVD they did of her and Paul McGann. Convention. Yeah, they seem like they they form like a really good double act these yeah, days. Definitely. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that we didn't didn't get that chemistry on on screen for you know for a couple of seasons with them together. Um, she did come back and do a big Finnish audio, but not as Grace. They weren't allowed uh, to do that. Right. But yeah. she came back as another character with McGann. Do, do we all like Grace then as a character? I think she's very good. Yeah, yeah she gets one of the best intros. Mm-hmm. You know. At the opera and then sweeping through the the hospital in in the gown and the shirt yeah, holding that, the shoes. That, that's, like, that's an intro. The corridor in slow motion. Um, yeah, that's very very well, I kind of want my doctor to uh, actually listen to my chest first before cutting me open and wondering why I've got two hearts. <laughs> you know, got to keep the energy up, Colin. You know, you got to keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. And they kept going like it's a double exposure X-ray. Oh yeah, if it's a double exposure, why is a heart on the other side? The hat would mm. still be in the same place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to think about it. You're thinking about it too much, Colin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'll stop that. I, I agree that I think it would have been interesting to see how she would have developed in a series with the Doctor. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's great chemistry there. I wish... Th- um, yeah, but I wish they hadn't done the relationship thing. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, um, we'll get to that when we get to the... <laughs> when we get to the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah so she has to leave the opera right um because she gets a call because they're taking the doctor into the hospital and it's going to be a heart operation which is her speciality and then while she's getting all the scrubs on and stuff her boyfriend calls her to moan about her leaving for this emergency yeah. operation <laughs> brian i mean he's just there to, to make it obvious why later in the series she's going to decide to go with the doctor isn't she because she's not got really any <laughs> body attachments mm. here i suppose right because he's a douchebag yeah. you know yeah yeah does he actually get any lines no he, he just he just sits there and he just huffs when she leaves yeah. the, the theater yeah 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 he's, he's huffing because he didn't want to be at the opera anyway he's only gone because she's dragging the <laughs> I want to see the audition process where they lined up several actors and said give us your best huff <laughs> i could have done that yeah. Go on, give us your bet. Go on, then. Let's all right, see all right, all right ready? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> very good. Very good. It's a bit. All right, I'll do it. All right. Um, <laughs> all right I'll, 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 I could do another one. I could do another one. A bit, a bit less. A bit less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Better. Better? Oh. I like how you put the squeak on the end of it. Yeah, it was good. He does that himself. You don't <laughs> see his lips move. 
That's the huff you do when anybody asks you to do something. Right? Oh, it's bigger than that. <laughs> it's a bigger huff than that, trust me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Big, bigger than that. So there's a lot of um, horror themes in this, isn't there? A lot of, um, you've got possession, you've got body horror. And then there's even like the, the, the Frankenstein stuff later isn't it? that, that we're going to come to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. what about the regeneration scene? What do we think of that? Gurning. Lots a of gurning. lot of gurning. It's a lot of, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I... I, I suspect the hand or the, or the mouth of Sylvester McCoy in in that. <laughs> yeah, it does look like an OAP gurning without his false, false teeth in, doesn't it? That's, that's... <laughs> I'm glad they didn't keep that in modern who. <laughs> Can you imagine that every time? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I, yeah, I could have seen David Turner. Oh, I can that. see him doing it, yeah, but I'd rather not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And I'm not keen on the comedy music when the orderly faints, you know, to tell me that it's, you know, a comedy moment, in case you, did, you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. But it does lead up to my favourite scene where he's walking up the corridor, wrapped in the, whatever you call it, blanket, mm-hmm. white blanket, and the way it's shot, with the sh- where he's like in shadow and partly not. I think that's a great scene. Yeah, it's, it's mm. his introduction scene, isn't it? Yeah. I've never quite worked out why that part of the hospital was um, deserted and and, full and of mir- wrecked. Full of mirrors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there, is there? Did I miss something? Is there any explanation as to as to that? Or is it? Has he just wandered into a, a deserted bit of the hospital? The only like slight oblique reference is the hospital manager says he's trying to keep the place running. Oh mm. right, man. Yeah. But I'm stretching a bit here. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, is it more a question of uh, of atmosphere over um, over plot? I like to think that maybe they're they're, they're doing yeah. some construction work and they're just you know not very good at it, maybe, or they haven't completed the roof on that bit yet. Because I mean, it's just rain pouring in. Yeah. It's Christmas. They stopped working. Yeah. They stopped for Christmas and New Year. <laughs> but the lockers are in that part. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I yeah. I thought that. Yeah. They are, aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, let's just not think about it. But it is a good, it is a good scene. That whole, the whole bit, dropping to his knees and screaming, <laughs> "Who am I?" It's, it, it's again cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a powerful, powerful scene. Yeah. That's you on a Sunday morning, right? <laughs> you talking to me or Andy <laughs> or Yvonne? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody can take it if they want to. If it rings a bell for them, <laughs> it's not just a podcast; it's therapy. Do do it slightly backtracking. Do any of us believe that a man as slight as Paul McGann um, is able to beat down a metal door <laughs> with with his bare hands and or feet? Uh, in a word, no. you don't have to answer that. But I think Francis <laughs> tell the tell the answer. Well, he's, he's buzzing with regeneration energy. And, and oh, that's good. Humans. Yeah, I'll take that, Yvonne. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there you go. Yeah. He's got the job. <laughs> He, he gurned at it. That's what did it? He gurned yeah. at it, and it caused the metal to crumble. See, where, where were you when Matthew Jacobs was writing this? You know, you 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 you, you could have added. Yeah, should have called me. Yeah, and we get that. We get the obligatory uh, scene where um, the doctor's finding his costume or discovering his costume. Mm. Yeah, I don't like the voiceover bit. No. No, I, I know that it's a costume, and I I've got a, this thing called a memory. <laughs> what's the voiceover hang on what's the voice? and he opens the lock he, oh, it's an he echo opens of... the locker yeah of the conversation where he's like i'm gonna go as oh, well yeah. bill hickok mm-hmm. and he pulls out the costume and you're like yeah i got it 
I, I don't need that extra bit. It would have been okay without it. That's a, a Bill and Ted reference as well. The, the character whose costume that was was called Ted, and his costume is is um, Wild Bill Hickok. So Bill oh, and Ted. Wow. Yeah. wow. Okay. There you go. I think you two that. should do the podcast from now on. Colin, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who, who, who lives in America, is, is Wild Bill Hickok a popular costume for people to wear at fancy dress parties? No. No. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> I, nobody wonder, knows. I wondered if there was any significance. No. Put it this way. I, I had a, I've had conversations with people because I've, I've held Wyatt Earp's gun belt. <laughs> and I say that to people and Americans go, <laughs> Who? Yeah. Huh? And I'm like, okay. how can you not be excited by that? So, no. We do get to see Tom Baker's scarf hanging up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was that costume uh, for? He was going as a doctor. He was going, yeah. 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 That's, that's very <laughs> meta right now. Yeah. It's meta before meta was a thing. I think at this stage it was the, the, the second time that the doctor had uh, stolen his clothes from a hospital. Yeah. Uh, I think John Perdry did it in Spearhead's base, and then Matt Smith went on to do it in um, in his debut story. So I don't, I don't know what it is with the Doctor and nicking things from hospitals, but he, he should get locked <laughs> up for doing that, really. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah he's got yeah. far. Yeah, he's got he's got previous. <laughs> Why can't he get clothes that actually fit the time that he's in? Well, he does now, kind of, doesn't he? I suppose. Well, I suppose so. Yeah. Now, yeah. Oh, now he's a fashion setter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's a miracle that he gets clothes that actually fit. That, that, that's one of my big big gripes with any movie where somebody nicks a costume. They always knock out a security guard. Um, and the security guard yeah. just happens to have exactly the same size. Except maybe um, Reds of the Lost Ark. Whereas the ball does the thing with yeah. the shirt, it doesn't, doesn't fit. And that, yeah. that's just why yeah. Red is, is a, you know, <laughs> a brilliant movie. <laughs> but, uh, um, so Snake, Blizzard, Water thing master whatever it is um goes inside uh bruce's wife no goes inside bruce and kills his wife <laughs> okay no. go. that was a bit, a bit risky there hello hello there's um, another what... <laughs> which version are you watching the un, uncut <laughs> welcome to late night doctor who with paul yeah, do you remember does anyone remember those uh, red triangles on channel four it was it was that version okay uh, <laughs> welcome to late night Doctor Who. Warm your hands. <laughs> That's his catchphrase. This actress, this this actress playing his wife is actually his wife, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I discovered that through the, the documentary recently. And um, gets pulled off quite a few times. Um, what do we think of Eric Roberts as a master? Then do you think he was miscast or? I think he's glorious, hmm. but gloriously miscast. <laughs> he seems to have two different versions of the way he's going to play it. Mm-hmm. He's got a pantomime version, mm. which he starts when he starts wearing mm-hmm. the Gallifreyan outfit. Mm. And then he's got this other version of almost as if he's been watching Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I'd argue there's more than two versions yeah. that he's playing. I, I think the we, journey's we been about 27. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a review a review we watched the other day said every scene he's playing a different master. Ah, well maybe he's playing his previous twelve lives. Hmm. Yeah. Well I think he's he's getting used to the body. 
because he started yeah. off as the slug thing yeah. and then he's possessed this man and that's why he starts a bit, emo- you know, unemotional and then turns into full-on campery towards the end. I can't believe we're justifying these acting choices. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not us. It's not us this time, Colin. Oh, yeah, it's not us, Other is people it? No, do no. it. Um, let's face it, though. I mean, pretty much every actor that, that's played the master even previous to this. They've always turned oh, it up yeah. to 11, haven't yeah. they? Well, it is a tash twirling film, yeah. to yeah. a certain degree. I think the worst one for doing that, aside from Eric Roberts, is probably, um, you would probably remember his name better than me, the guy that did it the most in the 80s. Is it Ainley, is it? Uh, Anthony Ainley, yeah. 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 He, he was full on um, pantomime, wasn't he, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the time, I, I sort of quite enjoyed his performance as the as the master, like maybe he was sort of the master that I that I grew up with. I don't really remember Roger Delgado, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, he, he sometimes does get a bit of criticism for being a little bit a uh, little bit panto villain. And if, if that was maybe the the version that Eric Roberts went to to um, to do his research, then maybe you can see why he went yeah went with the acting choices that he that he made. I think it's very nice of you to think that Eric Roberts did research. <laughs> <laughs> He did in some interviews say that he'd what he'd spent time in Britain um, during the seventies and maybe the eighties and had, had watched Doctor Who on TV. Now, how, how much of that he'd, he'd seen, I don't, I don't know. Um, I can't imagine him tuning into Doctor Who. Can you? Scri- scribbling notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Doctor meets Grace, and I think that from the moment that he opens his mouth in the scene in the elevator, Paul McGann's the Doctor, isn't he? No question about it. He gets it completely. Yeah, he's got that sort of manic, manic energy to him, um, and that 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 sort of that sense of confusion and mm-hmm. seems yeah, quite natural yeah, as well, doesn't it? Doesn't it? it seems well. to come quite natural to him. It doesn't feel forced in the same way that sometimes I always felt Christopher Eccleston, as much as I liked his his Doctor, it felt a little bit forced at times. I, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I tend to tend to agree with you with that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's quite sort of well. Quite um, pertinent. That's the word I was, I was reaching for. That probably almost everything else from the TV movie has sort of been ditched by by the sort of canon version of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. But everybody kind of seems to go, well, yeah, we like McGowan. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep McGowan from that and forget about everything else. We'll forget about the whole half-human thing. We'll forget about all that other nonsense. But McGowan, we really like. Yeah, he's 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 in. He's he's yeah. our Doctor. And I think that's down to the fans, isn't it? Liking him so much. I think, yeah, I think it's down to his, down to his performance as well. Him sort of nailing it, nailing it straight away. Mm. Um, mm. And I suppose if you consider Sylvester McCoy was the Doctor for the first sort of 10, 15 minutes or so of, of this, he had, he had a real limited time to to win everybody over. Yeah. Uh, and I think no matter what you think of all the other enjoyable nonsense going on around him, um, he 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 is the doctor. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So later he jumps in the car with Grace, doesn't he? And would they really put a dead body in the morgue and leave a piece of hospital equipment inside of it? Because he pulls out the probe, doesn't he, from his chest? I mean, it's in the state of the that. NHS today. <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer that, Colin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it just seemed a bit strange to me that they would just leave it inside of him. Well, I mean, you, you've seen the state of part of that hospital. <laughs> they don't really care, I guess do they? So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and he wouldn't have had insurance on him. That's true. So, so basically, and it's America, so yeah. you know. Yeah, he was a he was a, was a John Doe. They call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just chuck him in there. Forget yeah. about him. Is what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, we get that scene with the receptionist as well, where he's pulling off bits of his. Then he pull a nail mm. off. No, I, I read that the, yeah. the body horror aspect aspect of it was going to be more of a thing, but um, Eric Roberts just couldn't stand the prosthetics on him, so they, they had to tone it all back, which, which is a shame because I, I think the idea was he was. The, the idea was he was dead, the body was mm. dead, so it was going to be decaying throughout oh. the, the rest of the film. It's a shame that they didn't they didn't do that, but then again, we wouldn't have seen it because the BBC would have cut it all, wouldn't they, when they put it out? Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I found that quite, quite an, an icky scene with the, yeah. uh, with the fingernail mm. coming off. I, I think everyone kind of watches that and goes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so when we go back to uh, Dr. Holloway's place, Turns out that her boyfriend or husband has left her and he's taken he's taken the sofa but left his shoes behind. And he's left the TV behind. <laughs> that must have been a really good sofa. Yeah, and he, he did it all in one night as well, didn't he? Because it's the same night. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So in the space of her running out on him at, at, at the opera, he's been back to the apartment and cleaned it out. Yeah. Like he planned this all along. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I think he was. <laughs> but he left his shoes. <laughs> it's a great scene though, isn't it, in the in the apartment with um between the two of them, between McGann and Ashbrook. And again we can see that chemistry yeah. um that they've got between each other. It's like the, I like the little moments where he, as he's walking through he'll just glance out the window and go, Oh lovely view and then carry on. That's, that's yeah. That, yeah. That, that is the dog. The house is still is there. Is it? Is it Yeah, I Google I Googled it. Still looks the same. As an adult, I'm watching. Yeah. Yeah. As an adult, I'm watching yeah. that, going, "That's a really nice apartment. I'd like to live there." <laughs> I, I would, but it's a bit open to the outside. You know, mm. you, you come down in the morning, you forgot to put your clothes on, and you walk past the window. <laughs> Wave. <laughs> <It's not dirty. laughs> There's a bunch of joggers going by, going, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> Keep running. Um, so Lee wanders into the TARDIS and we see the TARDIS key and I do like um, this because I think it, it wasn't new, was it? It was something that was introduced. Is it Pertwee's era? It's the, 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 the Pertwee era key. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly, slightly sort of off-tangent, but a couple of years ago we went to uh, a Comic-Con that had Sean Pertwee at it uh, and I decided to get in the queue for a, for a photo with him. He's one of my, one of my favourite actors. Um, and because of the, the John Pertwee connection, I decided to take a, a 1975 Doctor Who annual with me that had his, his dad on the front. So I've got a photo of me and Sean Pertwee reading uh, a Doctor <laughs> Who annual. Nice. But, the, but the, the person in front of me was dressed up as the, the Roger Delgado version of, of the Master, mm-hmm. who was famously sort of Pertwee's, Pertwee's nemesis on, on screen. And Sean Pertwee pulled out of his shirt the TARDIS <laughs> key that his father used on the show on a chain and showed it to the to the guy in front of him. <laughs> and I, I really wanted to have a look at it myself, but <laughs> didn't, didn't get a chance to, to sort of ask him the same question. But I, I saw the uh, the key come out. Uh, so he... He must, I don't know if he wears it all the time, but he must at least sort of wear it to conventions. And uh, that must be a, a lovely keepsake Fantastic. For, for him. Yeah. I, want, I wonder what else his dad pilfered from the set before he left as well. 
Probably a couple of sonic screwdrivers. Yeah. <laughs> you would though, wouldn't you? That floral, that floral oh, shirt, definitely. and his velvet jacket. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've got, I've got some of that in my uh, wardrobe upstairs. Colin, I've got one of those. I do actually. I really do have one of those shirts. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. Why aren't you wearing it now? I should have done. You really, should have dressed for the occasion. Yeah, I should have done. You should have dressed I, for uh, the occasion. occasion. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you it one day. Uh, <laughs> so, how did the master get in the TARDIS? Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, they wondered that. Did he? Did he turn himself back into glue? Uh, glue oh, again, but <laughs> gloop again, and uh, sque- squeezed himself back through the keyhole. Yeah, I think my drunk theory was that having been through the keyhole as the goo, he mem- he remembered the shape of the lock, and I don't know. You're very good at making excuses for yeah. this movie, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I work in customer service, I can do this. <laughs> you, you know, with ideas like this, Yvonne, we could get you on to uh, Star Trek Strange New World. You'd, you'd do wonders on that show. Ooh. Especially Dis- or Discovery. You could, you could fix that show in no time. <laughs> no, not a chance. Nobody can fix Discovery. <laughs> hey, they're one of us, Colin. Come on. <laughs> they're on our way, mate. <laughs> He, when Lee wanders into the TARDIS, so there's always that scene, isn't there, where someone new goes in and they get they're, they're completely mm. in awe of it. Mm. He copes with it rather well, doesn't he? Well, he does, yeah. it's America. Everything's bigger though. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> On our sort of re rewatch the other week, we noticed that actually at the start, you see Sylvester McCoy inside the TARDIS, and then it shows sort of the exterior of it flying through space as the as the police box. But if you've never watched the show before, you wouldn't necessarily know that that's meant to be the inside of that that blue box. They, they, they sort of don't yeah, have... Most other sort of versions of the show have have the box appear, yeah. and you don't know what it is, and then somebody go into it. Like, I, I love the... It's really corny, but the, the sort of comedy scene later on where the with the bike goes into the TARDIS and you just hear it go <laughs> and it comes back yeah. out again and that's that's a, a nice cute little way of illustrating how big the TARDIS is mm-hmm. right. yeah yeah so the master is making Lee think the doctor is the bad guy mm-hmm. even though you know it's kind of obvious the master's the bad guy because he's <laughs> the one with the funny eyes and well, I don't think Lee's that bright is he I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. So, what do we think of the the? Is it the mooring staff and the Eye of Harmony? This is all new, right? Or is it not new? The Eye of Harmony's referenced previously. Yeah. It's. I don't think it was ever in the TARDIS, though. No, I don't think. And it, and it wasn't um, something that powered the TARDIS before, right? No. No, I, I. I might be wrong. I think it's the sort of. I think. In, the, in sort of the original history, sort of Omega sort of created Time Lord technology by harnessing black black holes, and I think one of these was, was the Eye of Harmony. I, I, I may I may be wrong on it. Sounds right, on doesn't this. it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes more sense than yeah. what in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we get the reveal that the Doctor is half human. Okay, so what does everyone what does everyone think of this? I don't have an issue with it per se, mm-hmm. but it, it's a bit of a U-turn from what had gone, gone previous. And I'm, I'm not sure it makes all that much sense within within the plot that they're actually mm. actually doing. 
Yeah, um, that, that's my issue with it, is that it's such a, a change to the story of Doctor Who, yet it doesn't serve a real purpose in this episode anyway. Yeah. You could have dropped it and made no changes to the rest of the script, yeah. really. Yeah, I get the impression from watching that doc- documentary about the writer as well that that was his one thing that he wanted to make sure stayed in that script. That that was his... Mm. But it, yeah, half ha- yeah, human on the case. They were his two big things, his two big ideas to shake everything up, and he wanted those to stay in that script. Personally, it doesn't bother me, the half-human thing. Um, it, I, mm. I look at it this way. It kind of makes sense in the fact that it would explain why the Doctor is so obsessed with Earth and taking care of humans. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if, you, if you don't have that, yeah. then all we are to him are kind of pets that he has to look after. You know? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really bother me either way. I mean, the, there's been things in Doctor Who since that that that, <laughs> that have bothered me. <laughs> this is one of them. Yeah. Like I say, it would have been nice if they played on that a little bit more and they sort of said, oh, I'm half human. That is that is why I've got this connection to the place and that's why it's like a second yeah. home to me. Yeah. Maybe they would have yeah. done. Maybe yeah. that's what the plan yeah. was going forward in, in the series. You know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the kiss as well, don't we? Mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> it's just it doesn't it, the only problem with it, it it doesn't leave you anywhere to go afterwards with the relationship between the two of them it's like it's like most shows usually lead up to it and then at the point of the kiss that's when the show goes uh, off the rails you know for example yeah. moonlighting or something yeah. like that and they always avoided that even yeah the, the, sorry, the x-files, X-Files. Yeah. So, so the x-files yeah. sort of just, just sort of I think on around right about the same time that that sort of teased that whole relationship between the two, and it, it sort of that that powered that show for for mm. many many seasons. They even yeah. avoided it with Rose, didn't they? There was always the the romantic thing mm. going on between particularly between Ted and, and and Rose, but I don't think they ever kissed, did mm. they? There was a kiss of sorts between her and Krista Rackleston, where he passed he on sort the of yeah sucked the. The, the energy of the mm-hmm. vortex out of her, um, so to so to speak, <laughs> would have been worse the other way around. <laughs> don't don't worry about dropping to that level. Oh, hang on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you might yeah. need to that bit out. Oh no, that'll stay in. Don't you worry. Uh... <laughs> oh dear. So it's the only bit that'll stay in. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the kiss doesn't bother me. Really, but like you said, Colin, it, it, there's nowhere to go after that, is there? No. So I don't know whether but, she was going to be an an assistant for future episodes. Then. I think that they would have found a way for him to go back and pick her up, and she'd have gone with him. Yeah. Yeah, and probably Lee as well. I think that they were they were yeah. gearing for those two to be companions. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. I think McGann himself said that the the kiss itself is. He described it as a very chaste kiss. He sort of said, "Oh, I kept my lips together." Yeah. It's more of a sort of he just sort of plant, plants his face on her than, than. It's like it's like two kids kissing, isn't it? Rather than adults. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I do like the fact that Grace doesn't just automatically accept what's going on. You know, it, it feels a bit more of a believable process she, because it, too often in things, a supporting character just goes along with the main character quite early. I'm thinking. Recently, we watched Commando, didn't we, Colin? And that 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 does that in that movie. She's literally mm. helping him in like within five minutes, isn't she? In fairness, 
she's just helping a guy who's killing drug dealers. She's not dealing with an alien <laughs> with two hearts. But what I'm saying I mean, is, she doesn't. Grace doesn't believe bit, him at first. For quite a while in, 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 into the running time, yeah. she doesn't believe him, I don't think. But even after he's walked through a window. She still seems a bit. Door, she's not happy, is she? I mean. That would that would that'd be the winner for me. I'd be like, oh yeah, 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 something's not right here. Because that that I've tried walking through that glass door. David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. I'm sorry, going through a wobbly glass window. Mean nothing means nothing to you. I need more. No, no. <laughs> what do we think about this this idea that doctors met every single person of interest in in the history of the world that they seem to have introduced in this? But if you're a time lord you can go anywhere in any time isn't that something you would do and if you're interested okay in humans, okay but he seems to know good. everything about people that aren't good. particularly well known as well he seems to just know everything about everybody is this something that this has created Revit? i don't remember previous doctors just suddenly meeting someone and going oh whatever you do yeah don't buy that black cat yeah <laughs> I think it's something they're doing this. Like he's always been a persistent name dropper. He's always always claimed to have met, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. Da Vinci and Shakespeare and 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 whoever. And that, in a way, that's kind of quite a nice running mm. running gag. Um, but the idea that he knows, sort of, you know, don't be in a certain place on a certain Tuesday in November in three years' yeah. time. It's a bit strange. Yeah, it's also yeah. a bit free and easy with the rules of time travel. I mean, what chaos is he causing? Depends which rules you adhere to, Colin. There seems to be lots of different rules for time travel these days, isn't there? Yeah. There's only one rule, and it's the Back to the Future rule. Is that, is that don't kiss your mum? <laughs> that, that's not just a time travel rule. That's pretty much <laughs> oh, generally right, a life okay. rule. No, it's not. At least no tongues. <laughs> now, does that yeah. rule apply to just your own, or can you kiss other people's mums? That's interesting. <laughs> Give it a go, Paul, and let me know. Yeah, I might not be here for the next podcast. I might be <laughs> locked up somewhere. I like the scene with the traffic cop as well and the jelly baby and the line, oh, he's British. That that was mm. a, good, a good moment. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can I just ask a question, cool, though? Are we fully aware of what's going on plot-wise with the eye of harmony and the alteration no. of the molecular structure of the Earth? Okay. The time malfunction. Right, no. 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 It's all a bit checking. We get along for the ride. It's, it's... Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's it's all it's all bobbins. <laughs> but with the the motorcycle bit where he he gets the gun off the the policeman mm-hmm. and then points it at himself. Oh yeah, I think that's quite a good switch. That's, that's very yeah. doctorish. That's a brilliantly doctor moment. Yeah. Uh, my I said my my memories of Tom Baker were somebody would point a gun at him and he'd offer them a jelly baby, and then battle them with logic and then run off. Right. And uh, yeah, that thing with McGann sort of you know he grabbed the gun off him. Any any other TV action hero would then be running down yeah. the street firing uh, cars and people mm-hmm. and he turns it on himself. And, uh, yeah, that's brilliantly, brilliantly sort of, um, mm. yeah, brilliantly invented that. And it's like interesting that. how where she's the one that takes the gun and she's the one that, that shoots the bike. And isn't there, the, um, I seem to remember, I don't know whether it's a modern mm-hmm. take on who that they've, they've talked about in the in the new show, but isn't there this theory that that's what the doctor does, that he turns his companions into, into the weapons that he doesn't want to be. Mm. And they, they end up oh. being his soldiers rather than him having to do these things, these yeah. nasty things that he doesn't really want to do. He gets mm. them to do it for him. I used to like this doctor. He's a bit of a bastard, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I wish Shari's not the villain. Yeah. Well, you know, it yeah. depends on your point of view, Colin, doesn't it? You know. The master was right. <laughs> it's a good bike chase yeah. sequence, though. It's something that, again, we wouldn't get in British Doctor Who, yeah. I think. Yeah, and it's no, a solid no. chase as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the moment in the ambulance when uh, Lee quips, um, oh, you kill me, and the master just deadpan replies, you want me to kill you? Because <laughs> he doesn't quite understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was that crash with the uh, flat back truck mm-hmm. and and the chickens. Yeah, what, what, what's, why is that police officer putting the chicken back on the flat truck? <laughs> it, it's just going to get off again. <laughs> Complete waste of time. He's just there in the background putting chickens on this truck that are then just jumping off. He's pulling a gun on it. I said, don't move. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. chase is messing somebody with a stall of oranges that yeah. the, the, the bike goes through or a car crashes into that seems to be in every every other James Bond movie or every other action sequence. You know what Gunn is using on those chickens though, don't you? A clock. Oh. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking birds. The chase sequence could have done with a... Oh, no. You know what I'm going to say. Are you, are you doing a pod? If I'm you're not, doing a pod, no, I'm no, leaving. I wasn't. No, I'm seriously, I wasn't. We're not doing that anymore. We talked about it. We're not doing no. that. No, yeah, we talked about it. We could have had a double take pigeon. We're talking bond chases and things like that. <gasps> oh, oh yes. yeah, we could. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or the guy, the wine drinker, doing the double take as well. He, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've seen from James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> None of that in Daniel Craig is there, but you know, we 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 discussed that at length, haven't we, Colin? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, can all time lords slime people? Wait, what? <laughs> you heard me. Can all time lords choose your answer? Yeah. <laughs> well, the master slimes no, a bunch I mean, of security guys. Yeah, they're all still frozen, covered in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wonder if it was just a power <laughs> anyone could do, or whether it was just peculiar to time lords. Okay. I think it's t- I think it's time lords and and Slimer from Ghostbusters. <laughs> it is a bit like that. Maybe Slimer from Ghostbusters is a time lord. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Maybe. What a time lord. It's a ghost of a time lord. <laughs> yeah. I like the shot of, do- of the Doctor and the Grace lowering themselves down and then jumping onto the bike. Again, I keep using the word, but it's all very yeah. cinematic looking, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 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 And the music yeah. swells and, and it's just really good it in is. my place. It is. Yeah. yeah. And we mentioned that Gareth gets a jelly baby. Someone else gets a he jelly does. baby. Very People are very... You know, easy taking jelly babies from strangers, isn't they? No, no one ever told him the golden rule of when you were a kid, did they? <laughs> no, no. He's a very generous man. <laughs> very kind, very thoughtful. He is. Yeah. <laughs> so Eric Roberts gets to put on his um, Time Lord robes. And uh, he turns the mm. camp up to, um, not 11, but but 111, doesn't he? <laughs> Off, off, yeah, off really going for it. Yeah, but we're in that you would, wouldn't you? Be hard not to. That's true. We saw that costume at the Doctor Who Experience in Cardiff. Oh, we did. Yeah, yes. they had all the Time Lord outfits as you're queuing to go into the the main bit, and we're like, "That's it. That's the Master's yeah. costume." Yeah. And we liked to pose and did the thing. Yeah, the, the photos were, but I think both of us doing the uh, <laughs> doing the hand movements in you know, the like, I like to dress for the occasion. <laughs> it's it's a gorgeous costume. All the detail on it. Is, yeah, it's, 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 it's lovely. There is an interesting theory that where did the master get that from? He got that from the doctor's TARDIS, mm-hmm. didn't he? Mm. Yeah, that's Sylvester McCoy's 
robes. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Fits him well. Swamp him. Yeah. It just happened to fit Eric Roberts <laughs> as well. Maybe maybe it's special Time Lord technology. It's like the TARDIS. It can fit to mm. whoever's... Oh, big, yeah. big on the inside. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. It's a yeah, dimensionally transcendental, transcendental no. glam robe. There you go. You can have that. You can have yeah. that one for nothing. <laughs> You, you don't get that on RuPaul's Drag Race, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Gallifreyans seem to wear these costumes all the time. Is this just like what they put on to slob around? It's the ceremonial robes, isn't it? Like the big collars, yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I, so they don't wear them all the time. They're not getting up in the morning and throwing on that. Can you imagine trying to mow your lawn wearing that great big thing on your back in the head? I, I can and I have. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> I've got the Freddy shirt. You've got the Time Lord robe. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You've not lived until you've seen a Time Lord go down Asdard with rollers in the hair and Time Lord robe and, and slippers on. Yeah. The bloody price of peas. I don't know. What <laughs> country coming to? It's like a convention I was at once and stood at the urinal next to a Cyberman. So, so where, where did the pea come out of, Colin? I'm interested to know. <laughs> I wasn't looking. I was too distracted. I hope he had a flat. Um, McGann, um, he did. I did. McGann's great in um, the cloister room scene, I think. Would, would you say that he's probably one of the best actors to play the Doctor then? Um, I think he's made the most impact in the shortest mm. amount of time. And when he came back and did the, the little 10-minute segment, mm. yeah. it was stunning. And it's like, well, we need more of this. We need to see more of this on screen. Yeah. So, I, I think it's somebody that everybody really wants to to see come back for for, for more stuff, whether it's a, a spin-off series or, or whatever. And there is this talk of of spin-off shows with the with the new version mm. that's uh, coming back with mm-hmm. Russell T Davis. Um, that would be nice to see. Actually, I'd like that. Colin, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. One yeah, of the best th- actors, or? Would you not put him on your top five list then? Well, I don't. I don't need to know what your top five. Oh no, he's a good actor. I was trying to think. Like, I guess Peter Davison had done all creatures great and small. Um, Tom Baker had done various bits and pieces, but Paul McGann had mm. done films mm-hmm. before this. Yeah, I, I don't think. I think so... he's up there with the modern group of actors, isn't he? That have played the Doctor rather than with the ones that came before him in terms of qual- quality of. of performance i think i'm not that's not dissing any of the other ones because i love pertwee i love baker i love them all really but just in terms of them being it just feels a little bit more like you know he knows his onions a bit more i think probably in, in terms yeah. of his cv yeah you'd, you'd maybe say yeah, yeah. that contraption yeah. on the doctor's head by the way i was getting definite clockwork orange vibes from it anyone else yeah. oh right. yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah with, with the, the eyes being, being held open, being held open. So I have a question, technical mm-hmm. question again. Um, why why does Grace turn into a demon? She got Did sprayed on the wrist the didn't she, by the squirty that? goo thing. Mm. All right, Master Juice. Okay. Mm. She got, she got slimed. Did, yeah. Did someone just refer to it as Master's <laughs> Juice? Yeah, it kind of he sprays it, and it's yeah. <laughs> as opposed to Master's <laughs> Juice. <laughs> I don't know which one I like the most. By the way. Oh, sorry, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't drink sorry. either of them. I know that much. Oh, I would probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you would. Yeah. The next snap's a bit brutal on Lee as well, isn't it? 
yeah. That's probably a disadvantage of daily yeah, yeah, transmission. Yeah. That's probably why it made even even less sense on original viewing. Oh, no, no, no. He's never been one to shy away from death, Doctor Who, has it? I mean, I remember, um, is it Remembrance of the Daleks, where there's all those soldiers that get shot? Oh, but it's just, just the amount of the yeah, death toll yeah. in that is 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 horrendous. But aren't they BBC death tolls where they just go, yeah, and fall over? Yeah, they don't go and, and yeah. squibs true. everywhere. And that's true. Blood. That's true. But he's never shied away from death, has it, Doctor Who? No, 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 yeah, but, no. I think, as you said, Remembrance of the Daleks. I think had a. I'm sure there was some theory that it had like a higher body count than. Either Terminator or Terminator Two or something like that. I mean, sort of has a yeah. quite a quite a big big body count. And the master yeah. starts to suck out all the doctor's lives, and and he starts gurning here as well. Yeah, sure. so it's yeah. a time lord yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but Grace restarts the TARDIS and reverses time. So how does this work then? What do, what's she done here? <laughs> how how does she know what to do? <laughs> That's another good uh, question. It's, it's setting an alarm but, clock. That's what she got told. Reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Reasons. <laughs> That's nothing. Yeah. Reasons. 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 Yeah. She pulls out all that wiring, doesn't she? And just, just. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's just lucky, really. She, she hot wires. She hot wires the yeah. TARDIS. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ancient Gallifreyan technology and, and just two wires. And in fairness, this is also a machine that can get fixed by giving the console a hefty thump and just going. That and it works again. That's true. So, it can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And we get a bit of a fight between the Master and the Doctor. Uh, it kind of reminds me a bit of um, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's final conflict, mm. on, uh, you know, above the, oh. the the waterfall rapids thing. The, you know. the, right. The, the, is it the Reichenbach fight? That's the one, yes. I'm glad you said yes, it because I couldn't it, think, yeah. I couldn't remember it. But <laughs> I, I don't know where I pulled that from. <laughs> And I like the fact that the Master would rather die than be helped by the Doctor. Yeah. And he's dead, but not really dead, because the next time we see him, he's John Sims. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, but it's, the, the Master's one of those those characters that, a bit like Davros or that any of the sort of the classic Doctor Who villains, they, they get killed off and then they come back and there's no real, mm. real explanation. As Somehow to why, Palpatine they survived. It's, yeah, it's it's the it's the somehow Palpatine survived room, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, and in a in a way, I know we we gotta criticise it, but we, you wouldn't want it any other way. You you want these these characters back, and you kind of prepared to sort of. They've always got a back door to, to sneak out. Yeah, yeah, come yeah, back. yeah. I don't think it works quite as well with what happens next when um, so the TARDIS, Lee and Grace are both dead, but then the TARDIS brings them both back. And I, mm. I get that they needed them to be companions in the series, but on the other hand, if the TARDIS can just bring people back, there's no stakes to anything going forward. If someone dies on a yeah. on, on a next adventure, just drag them into that room and then let the TARDIS bring them back again. But is it because they died in kind of like an interstitial phase where the TARDIS is between places and Here we go. the energy? <laughs> yeah, but that's not used to Adric, is it? True. Yeah, but he wasn't on the TARDIS; he was on the ship. Yeah. Okay. There we go. And they're human and they need... Okay. All right. Reasons. Reasons. The reason. It's the, 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 eye of plot, the eye of plot contrivance. <laughs> <laughs> but in the original show, I mean, you mentioned Adric. If you died, you you, you, you mostly stayed dead, didn't you? Yeah. From what I remember. They, they, they rolled the titles without the without the theme music mm-hmm. when Adric died. Mm-hmm. 
You're still recovering, aren't you? Everyone cheered at that, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> what I remember. Oh, <laughs> isn't that isn't that the the the, the Adric death? Is isn't that because we we were talking about this a while ago, Colin? Where isn't it where he's he's meant to be pushing buttons on the console, and you can clearly see that he knows that it's going to explode <laughs> any second. <laughs> <laughs> not touching that. <laughs> Jerks away a second before the firework goes off. Yeah, that costume probably was made out of nylon, so if that would get on up, gone up like a rocket, wouldn't it? <laughs> few, few, few stray sparks. Um, so you get to see all the the three characters together in the scene around the console, and it is a shame that we never get to see how they were going to develop in the series because they all seem to fit well together. I think. Just from this one scene where they're all together and they're all none of them are possessed anymore, everything's back to normal. Mm. That would have been interesting to see how that would have carried on, I think. Mm-hmm. They are characters you want to know more about. Mm. You are interested in where they go from Definitely. there. Definitely. Which is, is quite yeah, nice. Yeah, I think you're right. They, they, they all look very comfortable together as a as a unit. You, you kind of go, Yeah, that's a that's a Doctor Who Doctor Who yeah. crew. Yeah. That that could work. And was one more kiss and then another malfunctioning TARDIS flight. And that's Pretty much the end of Doctor Who the movie, isn't it? You're you're, you're missing the the scene in the rain where everyone's hair just goes mad. You've got Paul McGann's wig curling. You've got Grace's hair just in the in the the, the sogginess just curling. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to get a prop for the for the, for the discussion about the final <laughs> final scene. And hopefully okay. it makes sense. All right. But yeah. I'll I'll be back in back in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, we, we've missed out on discussing one of the core okay. elements of, of Paul McGann was auditioned with beautiful flowing hair. And that was probably one of the reasons they went, yeah, perfect romantic hero there. And then when he came to film it, he'd shaved it off for another, yeah. another show. And they were like, where, where did the hair go? Can we have that back? And and yes, they spent half the budget on a, not well, until you, yeah, a dubious wig. Yeah, dodgy, dodgy syrup. <laughs> And he hated that wig, didn't he? That'll confuse the American audience. <laughs> yes. And then when he saw Chris, Chris Eccleston in a leather jacket and a buzz, in a kind of like buzz coat, he was like, that's what I wanted to do. That was the mm-hmm. costume I wanted. So go on. What's, what's... Uh, uh, so my, 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 my sort of last last final gripe with the with the show is the, the fact that the, the TARDIS does a comedy twang at the end, as as things go wrong, and the doctor goes, "Oh no, not again!" And he just it <laughs> off of the uh, off of the and <laughs> um, um, we're left for another nine years with that being the the, the last. Uh... Oh, no, no, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It really was. The last. The last time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably made by somebody doing that. <laughs> I like to think it was. You're, you're a wannabe foley artist. I, I'm a frustrated yeah. foley yeah. artist. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it too late to retrain for a life of uh, twanging, twanging, twanging cutlery off a table? <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. sure as highly yeah. trained as you uh, would think. No. <laughs> I, think uh, I think you uh, might be f- smashing melons. With yeah, I think you're fully back. qualified anyway. <laughs> yeah, all right. Hey, Sylvester, <laughs> Sylvester McCoy made a career out of his spoons, didn't he? He was getting them out every five seconds in Doctor Who, his spoon. That's yeah. We, we have seen Sylvester McCoy, as, as of probably many, many millions of Doctor Who fans, we've seen him play the spoons live with very, very <laughs> little encouragement. I saw him in doing Shakespeare uh, with Ian McKellen, and he was playing the fool, I think. And in one scene, he was playing the spoons as part of the character's performance. <laughs> um, 
afterwards when the show finished someone was like i was overhearing the couple next to me going oh yeah it's very good what's the show about the spoons though <laughs> <laughs> i didn't quite kind of get that that's something mccoy does that he's he's, he's good to do that it's in he's his contract his yeah he's one thing it's, yeah. it's his thing isn't it it's his thing <laughs> so that is the end of uh, doctor who the movie so i think we should ask our guests first Ivan and andy what do you think of doctor who the movie i i find I've got mixed feelings now. I think when I first saw it in 96, it was the first time I saw Doctor Who. I loved all the references because that's what I was reading in uh, the novelizations and stuff. It's like, oh, I know what they're on about there. I know the scarf and the, the, the jelly babies. Diary yeah. and the jelly babies. It was just like, this is what I want. Feed it to me. And now having watched what they did with the new series and gone, yeah, that's a bit too much in your face. But yeah, I... McGann, best part of it. The soundtrack, I love. I've got that on CD and it's it's probably played quite a lot. Yeah, the John Devney soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. I I, I have mixed feelings about it, but I, I can't help but love it. I, I, there's very little Doctor Who out there that I really, really hate or dislike. Um it, it was lovely to see it back after after so many years in, in any in any form. Um, yeah, you could pick it apart all week, but it's a big joyous romp of a of a story, and you've got to be quite sort of cold hearted to not enjoy it in in some respects. McGann, I think everybody universally agrees, is is perfect in the in the role of, as the Doctor, and it's a crime shame that we didn't get to see more of him in the role. Eric Roberts completely miscast as he is, he's gloriously <laughs> camp in it and plays it to the hilt with, with the, the over-the-topness over the of it. Grace and Chang Lee would have made lovely companions. Um, it may not have been the Doctor Who that we, we knew and loved, and it, it, may have, it may have only lasted a couple of seasons and then it may have died a death, and that, that may have then been the end of October. I don't, I don't know, so maybe it was a, a good thing that it didn't didn't run the course, we'll, we'll, we'll never know, but... I think overall, it's 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 something that gives you more pleasure than yeah. than than not at the uh, at the end of the hour and a half of, of watching it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with all of that as well. It's it's funny when when I I remember enjoying it when I saw it the first time, but I always remember having no issues with it as well. But over the years, the the more I've watched yeah. it, those issues have become less and less of a problem for me, and I just enjoy yeah. it for what it is. Um, it's it, and it's pilots go yeah. for nineties American TV shows, which is what it is. It's a cut above. A lot of them, yeah. I think, in the terms of how it looks and, yeah, and, and the performances. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I really like it. I like the cinematic look of it. I think it's it's, it's got a lot of flourishes that mm. you don't get to see in a lot, particularly a lot of nineties TV as well. Um, all mm. the problem, like yeah. the things like the kissing and, and the half human thing, doesn't bother me at all anymore. Um, all the performances are great, and yeah, is it a hit? Probably not, but. It bloody well should have been, I think. Yeah. I don't remember um, being that fond of it when it first aired, but I think it's grown on me over time. Mm-hmm. And watching it this time for this podcast, I really enjoyed it. And I was amazed at how how big it felt. Considering modern Who and how much money is spent on it now, it's still this still felt larger in scope mm-hmm. than modern who does i mean just because of the tardis size and the ideas and the setting and the way it's mm. filmed and the music too um because i grow weary of murray gold <laughs> but um yeah i really enjoyed it i like paul mccann as the doctor 
the assistants are good. Um, yeah, Eric Roberts is a little weird, but you know, maybe that's what you needed. Yeah, you know, yeah. to counterbalance everything else. So yeah, for me, I thought it was pretty good. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's it. That's another episode of Retrospection Done. We can all go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, not again. Uh, I want to say thank you to our guests for joining us, Yvonne and Andy. Is there anything you'd like to plug or where people can follow you? Don't don't give your house street address. <laughs> <laughs> Any monies can be sent to. Um, um, yeah, so the only kind of geeky thing we do, um, I write a... a travel blog where i try and visit kind of interesting geeky locations so a holiday last year involved several james bond locations we pretended to be judy dench and daniel craig being um, on skyfall yeah i was judy dench <laughs> yeah I, I see the likeness so i've seen those pictures and it worked it really did work it's for great. you it's great it's great well she, well she has a great beard when you know when she's not acting yeah yeah <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to read up on that, I think it's um, from scene to scene on WordPress. And I'm on Twitter as at Ms. Bombay. So, yeah, um, I'm reporting like St. Helens, where we're based, is somehow the hub of filming at the moment. We've had Marvel Secret Invasion, the maternity series, uh, maternal. 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 TV is... drama. Um, literally just around the corner from us, the, the old Pilgrim Glass Building is doubling as uh, City General Hospital in, in Maternal. Um, last summer we had uh, Martin Freeman in in one of the parks nearby filming scenes for the Responder. <laughs> I was just say uh, he was just hanging um, around the park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, well, that as well. Yeah, uh, and and Netflix drama Stay Close, uh, filmed at local landmark The Dream as part of a mm-hmm. a fictitious northern town that seems yeah. to involve St Helens, Witness, Blackpool. No Wigan, no, no Wigan, no. All in, all in no, no Wigan, no. Sadly not. Maybe, no. maybe maybe in the second series, maybe maybe Wigan Pier will, will it, it, double as. It, it depends on if they need to. Go on. Have you seen Wigan Pier? What's it going to double as? <laughs> it depends on if they need some burnt out cars and some uh, run down streets, doesn't it? Then they might build it. <laughs> you know. Oh, oh, oh. You, you're too harsh. You're too harsh. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you to our listeners and our Patreon supporters. And that's it for this episode. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. One mild December, back in the 90s, I had a horse running in the King George VI chase at Kempton Park. Well, I say running, but in fact my filly, known as Thunderclap Bastard, was refusing to set any of its expensively manicured shoes onto the track because of its fear of the various shades of the colour green. Even positioning specially tinted sunglasses on his head wouldn't suffice. So despondently, I was walking through the owner's enclosure pondering about my chromophobic equine when I observed a familiar sight rolling along the pathway towards the jockey's changing rooms. It was the infamous Doctor Who sidekick canine who was failing to look inconspicuous by adorning himself with a felt paisley trilby and an artificial bushy brown moustache on the end of his face. I bounded up to my old friend and greeted him. Well, hello canine, fancy seeing you here. 
Negative, I am not canine. I am Mr. Frobisher, a floral dance instructor from Milton Keynes, replied the small robotic poodle botherer, but was clearly and quite obviously not a Mr. Frobisher from anywhere, no matter how twitchy his fraudulent, hairy nose growth appeared to be. I ignored the obvious question about what exactly a floral dancer could possibly be. Come on, canine, I said. You're not fooling anybody. Why don't we get a drink and you can tell me all about it? For a second, it was 50-50 if the mechanical rover was going to give me a zap with his overused nostril laser or acquiesce to my request. I could see the hat wobbling and knew his ears were twirling with robotic agitation. Eventually, he relented and over a glass of Chardonnay for me and a beaker with a curly straw of Castrol GTX for K9, he carefully explained the situation. It turned out that he had been banished from the TARDIS after accidentally nose-probing the fourth incarnation of the Doctor as the Time Lord was bent over the main console. Apparently, it's only the TARDIS that's larger on the inside. Forced to live on the Gallifreyan streets, K9 had tried to run a fast-food pop-up focusing on Mediterranean cuisine, but it was quickly shut down for multiple health violations. Finally, K9 had resorted to playing cards, because nobody has a poker face like him. But he still couldn't win, was now in debt to a violent loan shark known as Flanagan Mac. As I listened to this unhappy tale, an idea began to take shape, a way that I could still enter the race and K9 could clear all of his money problems away. I leant conspiratorially towards him. Listen, doggo, I said, let's race. There had been a bit of a misunderstanding in our plan and that's how I found myself in the starting gate on all fours wearing a harness and saddle. K9 was tied to my back with the reins hooked on his ears. A yellow and white checkered jockey's cap had been perched on his head. I looked down the line at our competitors and was slightly startled to see that none of them were horses. To my right was Esther Ranson riding Andre Previn, a conductor's baton clenched tightly between his teeth. Next, Mr. T was sat astride an uncomfortable-looking featherweight champion Barry McGuigan. Further along, the Chuckle Brothers were warming up. Barry was the rider and I could hear them yelling, To me! To you, as they passed the saddle to each other. And finally, there was Fluella Benjamin riding Bungle. Ah, I should have known he'd be there. I leaned across at Previn and muttered, Flanagan Mac? He nodded. It transpired that everybody in this race was in debt to the same woman. The competition looked tough. Previn was skinny, but Esther was light. And Barry in a ring could dance, but on a track, could he prance? As for Mr. T, well, I pitied the foal. We could almost taste the nervous energy swirling around us. We watched the marshal check that everybody was in position. I tightened my muscles, ready for the sudden crash of the opening gate. With an echoing crack, the starting gun was fired, and we were off. My feet thumped onto the sodden grass. Canine bounced above me. I glanced to my right and saw that a grimacing Previn was also quick out of the gate. McGuigan had fallen slightly behind, but Bungle was gaining. We came to the first bend, and I almost lost my footing, but the constant cursing from K9 gave me the energy to continue. The gap was closing. Damn, Previn was fast. I could see Esther whacking his ass to urge him on. Bungle stumbled. For a second, it seemed like the world had paused. Then down he went, sending Floella flying into the trackside fences. Feet moving, legs pumping, heart beating. All our money was on this race, and boy, was it a race. I was starting to feel the strain, and I sensed that McGuigan had found a second wind. He was fighting on the outside with Brevin. On the inside, I tried to power through. Oh, if only K9 was a few pounds lighter. 
Then Previn pulled ahead of McGuigan and was alongside me. I could hear him grunting in desperation. Surely he couldn't hang on. But he did. The finish line, oh, was just up ahead, closer and closer. Every step was now pure agony. Then we were over the line, and I collapsed to the floor, listening to the sounds of the crowd applaud. <sighs> but who had won? Previn was so close that it was now a photo finish. We waited as the Polaroid was developed. The track manager pulled it from under his armpit and stripped its backing. Had we made it, or had Previn conducted a perfect race? With a flourish like a master magician pulling a tired rabbit from a battered hat, the manager revealed the photo. And there we were, neck and neck, with Previn and Ransom. Except, oh, good old canine. He'd extended his nostril probe to its full length across the line. We had literally won by a nose.